Are you a business owner or entrepreneur who's had great success in the business world? And now you want to launch a speaking career to share your message with the world. If that's you, then listen up. 25-year speaking industry veteran Brett Ridgway has released his latest special report, Three Key Things Entrepreneurs Must Master to Build a Profitable Speaking Business. To pick up your copy, go to brettridgeway.com forward slash freebie. Welcome to the Spotlight on Speaking Show with Brett Ridgway, where you'll learn the keys to building a profitable speaking business from speaking industry pros. Each week, we interview a great guest who will share his or her speaking journey, identify what their keys to success have been, and highlight some critical mistakes they've made along the way that you'll want to avoid. Be sure to visit our website at spotlightonspeaking.com. And while you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now, sit back, tune in, and get ready to meet this week's guest. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Spotlight on Speaking Show with Brett Ridgway. I am the aforementioned Brett Ridgway, and I'm excited to welcome to my as my guest today, Debbie Allen, because Debbie Allen is a longtime speaking industry pro. And I was really excited when she reached out to me about being on the show because I don't think we've ever met in person, Debbie, but I certainly know your name. So Debbie Allen is a CSP certified speaking professional and has been a professional member of NSA for over two decades. She is an internationally recognized business growth and market positioning expert who has presented in 28 countries. Debbie is also a best-selling author of 10 books, including The Highly Paid Expert and Expert Positioning. Gosh, Debbie, you make me feel like such an underachiever. I've only written eight books. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You got to catch up. What a, what a slacker you are. I know. It's terrible. But uh, welcome, Debbie, to the Spotlight on Speaking Show. Great to have you here. Wonderful being here. I love speaking about speaking. It has uh, dramatically changed my life and uh, so many others that I've taught and I know yourself as well and your book and everything that you're doing here on the podcast. So it's one of the most amazing skills that anybody could ever, ever learn. You know, well, let's becoming... talk about your speaking journey a little bit, Debbie. So you've been at this a long time, but how did you get involved in the speaking industry in the first place? What was the impetus? Yeah, great question. Um, I never knew there was a speaking business when I got into it 27 years ago. Um, I had come from originally a family uh, a business in Indiana. I'm a Hoosier. You know, and, yeah, double Hoosiers here. Um, so I grew up in Indiana, started a family business. And then when I was 30, I'm looking for the next opportunity to own my own business and a clothing store uh, opportunity came and I do nothing about retail. The store, you know, the business lost money for six years. It's like everybody said I was crazy. A lot of doomsayers around my life. But I, I hired mentors that helped me back then. They weren't really called mentors or coaches because you didn't really know. But um, found people who are very successful in the business and said, you know, how, how can I, we, uh, we still work together? They actually had like a mastermind group, which I didn't you know. Now we know what it's called, right? Back then you didn't. Yeah. Uh, shared all the ideas and I blew my business up from $100,000 to two and a half million in two years. So I built and sold retail stores after that, numerous stores. And then 15 years down the line, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't just have this kind of success without helping other people because that's how I was successful is I had other people help me. Mm -hmm. And so I just did it as a way to help people be successful, wanting to be a speaker, not that I want to be in the speaking business, um, but I was at this big trade show in Vegas where I was buying from my store. And I said, why don't they do seminars here? something to educate people to be successful. They just, you know, thousands of people coming to this huge show. 
And then my sales rep says, well, you could do that. And you could tell your story. It's, it's amazing what you've done. And I said, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> Ever do that, Brent? We go, yeah, I can do that. And then you're like, oh, yeah. oh I don't know. Um, and then he says, I'm best friends, like with the person that runs a show. And so he called him over and I told him, and long story short, that's kind of how I got my first speaking gig and opportunity. Um, and then from there, he kept hiring me back to that show and referring me to other people because here's what I said, Brett. Not only you know anything about the speaking business, I said, I will fill the room, standing room only, and prove to you that you need seminars. And when you do that, you'll hire me back. You'll refer me to three other clients <laughs> that need me. And um, what did I know about filling the room? Nothing. And you're in Vegas? In Vegas, in the morning, filling a seminar room? If you can do it there, you can do it anywhere, right? You know, yeah. people coming in with sunglasses on, my sales reps, because I, I kind of, <laughs> you know, told them, I said, you show up, you got to be there. You got to promote it. You got to promote all your people to come to your booth. Here's flyers. And I'm passing out the flyers to all of them. And I said, when you do, I'll promote you and, and your, your clothing line. And then say, I buy from you and you should get this line. And so of course, the, all the sales rep came and all the people came and it was standing room only. Um, and that's how I launched my speaking career. Then I realized, okay, maybe I should check this out as an actual business. <laughs> um, and uh, so, yeah, that's how it started. And I niched specifically into retail um, thought the niche was the niche was too small, believe it or not. Like, oh my gosh. Um, retail and then retail associations is where I started. I stayed in that for a good eight years, but then it went from apparel to gift to garden landscaping, pool and spa, and and then it went from na you know, state, national, international, and it just kept growing that way. It's kind of like when you find your lane, and you know this, Brett, when you find your lane um, and your target market and speaking, it's like they get you, they want you. It's easy to get the business because you get continuous referrals. And it's what I call kind of the snowball effect mm -hmm. once you, uh, your speaking business takes off. Um, and I think that's really key to making it work is find out who your people are, who you really speak to, who get you, and then follow that path, stay on that path, um, get it going, get known for that before you ever aspire to be a keynote speaker or, or um, something else, you know, or I want to be an international speaker. I want to be a keynote speaker. How about just making a difference in your market yeah. that, you know, and from there, you'll just get more and bigger, more opportunities, bigger opportunities. And that's kind of how it started. So do you still dabble in the retail industry whatsoever, Debbie? Um, I did a show. Um, actually, it was um, it was actually association, and I they had a really big budget, which I was like, "Here's my fee," because I'm thinking they're going to say no what my fee is now, right? And they're like, "Okay, yeah, we'll have you." Um, and it was the Retail Management Association, so that was one of the last ones I did. And then Merle Norman Cosmetics. It was um, they're retail, but they're also a franchise. I love speaking to franchises because I love the dynamics of the two, the franchise the franchise owners and then the franchisees, like it's different, like the dynamics, you have to kind of play that balance. Um, so yeah, I still get those. I don't look for them. So I'm in a position right now where, um, you know, business kind of comes to me and I can say yes and no to the, the opportunities that fit. But, uh, you know, I had to work it for a long time. Um, I went from doing association work to doing keynote when I wrote my second book. My first book was on retail. Second book was called Confessions of Shameless Self-Promoters. Um, which became a bestseller for me being on Howard Stern. That's That was a whole other story right there. Um, and uh, then it blew up my speaking business for keynotes in front of, you know, for direct sales and real estate and mortgage. And, um, you know, I was just like slamming it with keynotes and probably one of the top paid professional speakers in the whole country at that time. And that was 2008 when I got my certified speaking professional, you know, which is like, very few 
I think it's like 3% or 5% of speakers get that from the National uh -huh. Speakers Association. Just means you worked a heck of a lot and you documented it. <laughs> and you made some good money as a full-time professional speaker. Um, and then 2008 financial crisis hit and it was like crash and burn. Uh, so, you know, in my career as a professional speaker, we've had two big crash and burns, the 2008 financial crisis, mm -hmm. the pandemic, and we don't know what the next one. So what I now teach people is you got to have another income stream besides just speaking, you know, paid speaking is fabulous, but um, I found that I was a one trick pony and I realized there was many ways to use speaking to create other income streams, such as consulting and coaching and VIP days and probably 20 different ways that I teach, uh -huh. you know. So I like to say, Debbie, that there are, are three types of speakers in my mind. One is a keynote speaker that you've alluded to. The second is what I call the platform seller. So they're going to speak for free, but then make a pitch from the platform of some product or service. And then the third is just the business builder speaker. So they're not selling anything directly from the stage, but they're just trying to build awareness of whatever it is they have to offer, whether they're a chiropractor or a lawyer or whatever it may be. So which of those arenas have you played in yourself? I always have a goal when I speak. So I'm always getting paid. That is key number one. They're either paying me to speak and the money comes from that area, mm -hmm. or I'm speaking with an opportunity to make an offer at the end and make money from that. There's the only two ways. And so, and, and that may be as uh, soft of a close as, you know, an application to a call, apply for a call. And I've got, you know, I can handpick the people I want to do a call with. And then that leads to consulting. Uh, but every single presentation is tailored to if it's paid or if it's educating, what I call educating to sell or make an offer. Um, that's it. You know, you don't, you don't speak to entertain. You don't speak to uh, just put your name out there in business. You always have to have, as you know, Brett, you always have to have a call to action. A call mm -hmm. to action is either, hey, you book me. I'm an alumna. You want a motivational speech. You want it to be, you know, 50% motivation. You want 20% humor. You want 20% interactive. I mean, you, you just take your speech and you just tailor it for that person. They bought that speech. Um, or you tailor it completely different to educate and then sell at the end. So when you are doing a, a keynote presentation, Debbie, how much customization do you feel that a speaker should do based on the audience they're going in front of? Or should they just have their signature talk and that's what they're going to do, you know, hell or high water? <laughs> well, I would always suggest you have at least three topics. And even out of three topics, you're probably going to get one that's booked all the time because it just is a hot topic. People are hiring you on that topic or whatever, or fits your brand or you're an expert in that brand. Okay. So, uh, and that's really the case for me, although I, you know, I speak on numerous topics, but it's where it fits. The number one thing that I do to tailor a paid professional speaking is a one sheet questionnaire. I don't just send it in the mail. I get my client on the call, on the call, and yeah. I ask them these questions, you know, what do you most want to achieve out of my presentation? You know, what experience have you had from speakers, good or bad in the past? And then we break it down in percentages. What do you want it to look like? Do you want it to look like, again, more motivation, more education, more interactive, you know, so they're getting exactly what they want. It's still the same speech. And here's the thing is you put your topics and every meeting planner, as you know, Brett needs the same thing, a great catchy title, one paragraph description of what the audience is going to learn and four bullet points of what they're going to take away. 
27 years, always been the same, never changes. You need that for every speech, not just a list of a bunch of topics, right? Tell me what you're going to tell me. And then, um, then they hand select, they select, I like that topic. And then they'll decide if they want you to do it as a keynote, a half a day workshop, a full day workshop, or an online program or a live event. They'll decide mm -hmm. you don't have to do that. Put your presentations together and available as a keynote, seminar, workshop, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so I'm sure if you're listening to this and you have a topic that you're an expert on, you can do it as a one hour speech and you can do it as a full day workshop. Uh, otherwise, you're not an expert. You really haven't honed into that specific topic and you shouldn't be speaking on anything you're not an expert at. So what's your go to topic these days, Debbie? How to become an expert in uh, you know how to make money sharing your knowledge as an expert how to become a highly successful successful in expert making multiple income streams from your expertise that's my number one topic all right so you've been at this game for quite a while approaching three decades so what would your maybe your three biggest tips for an aspiring speaker be to create success well, I have a new group right now. I do it once a year called Paid Speaker Marketing Machine. And almost everybody in the group is is new to the speaking world. And they're like, deer in the headlights, right? Where do I start? You know, or want to be keen. They're like asking, you know, they, they have aspirations that don't really make much sense because you have to have steps. So the first place we start, you got to start with anything. You have to have the foundation. You've got to create a brand foundation. And the brand foundation, what are you known for as an expert speaker? I believe that everybody's a expert who happens to speak professionally. And I think that's the way you should be positioned. That way you can create other income streams around how you speak. And, and so build that foundation as an expert, which means the right branding, the right keywords to get you noticed and found. Um, doesn't have to start with a book right away, but the foundation of the branding, your website's got to be spot on, speaking directly to your most ideal target market, knowing who that target market is. And that's really where everybody kind of starts. Like, I don't know where my target market is. I don't know what I'm going to speak on. I'm like, what? Well, you have 30 years in the healthcare industry. What are you thinking about? <laughs> like, yeah, of course, it's going to be in healthcare, right? You know? Um, and, and then the next thing is you got to have a demo video. It's got to be a really good demo video. I mean, I was shocked, Brett, because I, I, you know, I hire a lot of speakers and I'm doing live events for years too. And I would look at their demo videos and I go, so they're speaking to a room of 30 people that's set up for like a hundred people. And there's all these empty seats and there's like a person here and a person here and they're showing the audience. And then you can see the data projector and it looks like small, 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 small. Okay. So we have to play the game of how do we create a demo video that looks bigger than life when we're mm -hmm. not really bigger than life yet. We got to set the stage for that. And now with new technology um, and opportunities to, you know, pay to get a demo video done versus having to wait to get the right audience to get a demo. It's kind of like backwards because like can't get booked for the right audience if you don't have the demo video. So you got to fake it before you make it. You got to, you know, work with somebody that does that. Um, and actually I'm doing that now with a, a client of mine. She's a media expert, she's been in the news for years. We found an incredible studio. And so we're doing a tag team with this. So I'll do a demo video day and then coach the, you know, um, the speakers. And the second day we do media interview in the studio and she'll do the media interviews. And so it's like, those are two great things. The media interview will give you the credibility, the demo video, you know, getting that down to just three or four minutes, just starting, just, just you close up, don't have to show an audience. And then when you get the next speaking opportunity from that, uh, you can build on, you know, uh, constantly updating the demo video, which you have to like, you know, yeah. and I was full blown paid speaking. I was redoing my demo video at least once a year. You know, because you have more more clips you can add in, you keep getting better. 
So you talked, Debbie, about, you know, going into a room where there are 30 people in the room that's set for 100, obviously, which is an issue. So when you're going into a platform selling situation, let's call it, what multiplier do you use based on the number of attendees the promoter says they're going to have in the room? <laughs> so when they say there's going to be 500 people, how many people do you really figure are going to be there? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because you plan to fly out there and, and wave your fee and do all that, right? Um, yeah, you did probably cut that in half, you know, because like, you know, especially I did one like this, right? It was like, it was like a twilight zone. So I got hired for this one. It was in Dallas. He's like, I'm running the convention center. And I got like half the convention center. And then he booked, you know, big names that I knew. Yeah. And so I said, yes, because these big names were in. And I was the only woman in the big name group of all the, the guys. And I said, oh, yeah. And he's doing this. And we're going to have, um, you know, we're, we're trying right now to get the vice president to speak. And this was many years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's like, Okay, so this is big. I always do a trial run. Like if I go to a convention or anything, it's like, I want to go see the meeting room the night before and I want to visualize, okay, you want to see how it's set up. Because if they said, you're going to have this many people, I want to see the room was set up for that many people and then visualize, okay, the audience there and me doing this right. and it's being successful and, and that. So I have to see that kind of visual. And so I went there I checked in my hotel. I got a cab and I went over to the convention center. There's no signage. I'm like, like this should be huge. There's like signs everywhere. There's no, there's no thing on the banner. There's nothing going on. Um, and then um, a couple of speakers were came in, came in early because they were doing the same thing. And they were like, uh, where's this? Where's the signage? What's going on? I'm like, I don't know, but I'm going to be here early in the morning, setting up, getting ready, showed up early. And then nobody's in the, nobody's in the convention center. There's still no signs. And it's like an hour and a half before the whole thing's supposed to start. And it's set for 3,000 people, yeah. 3,000 people. And they even said, you're not going to take your sales. You're just going to do your sales. And we have somebody that will be in the back of the room that will take all your orders for you. I'm like, okay, I don't usually do that. But okay, if that's the way you want to run it, that's fine. And so I say, it's a big audience, a big chain, you know, big opportunity. So I'm like second keynoter there. Guess how many people showed up in a room of 3000 people besides the person that was going to take my sales that was way in the back corner uh, gosh i don't know 25 people oh that would have been double it was 12 <laughs> <laughs> oh my god it was like the biggest bomb ever uh, yeah, no we all have those horror lost it was we all have those horror stories but uh... yeah I mean, but you know, I things... still made it work because then you know the speakers hung out together, and we end up getting on each other's stages, and we, we made it work anyway. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you gotta, you gotta. What do they say? Make lemonade out of lemons, or whatever. I mean, that's right. Yeah, you know, one of the things people don't. I actually got my start in this industry, Debbie, about twenty-five years ago, handling the back sales table at various internet and information marketing conferences. Oh, what a great, a great opportunity! So I would provide the crew, and more importantly, the merchant account that handle a lot of money in a short period of time. And then I'd pay the promoter, I'd pay the speaker and just keep track of all the money in the back of the room. Well, one time I flew a whole crew out to San Francisco for an event that was supposed to have like 500 people or whatever. I mean, Harvecker was one of the speakers and all that. Get to mm -hmm. the, and, he, and he shipped in a whole bunch of product or whatever that we got to package together and all that stuff. Get in the room and there's, I mean, there's the 12 people you talked about and you were 3,000. Well, it was 12 out of 500 this time or whatever, but it was uh, a lesson learned, let's just put it that way. Yeah, well, Harv, when I just doing my big events, where I was putting five, six hundred people in the room, really legitly doing this as I started my 
getting into that world of, of speaking and having our crew back there selling everything. Harv said, um, cause he was a mentor of mine at the time. He says, I'm, I'm not going to show up unless you have 500 people there. I'm like, I'm gonna have 500 people there before this. I had only had 50 people in a room, like, you know, but I, I did it the right way. I brought in everybody that all the big name people and they were selling, they were doing the thing. And I was more of an MC at this huge event mm -hmm. than before I learned it. Um, Harv walked in the room and almost passed out. Cause it was like, we hired him. <laughs> We hired uh, Mark Victor Hansen, Jack Canfield's production team with the stage, with the sales and the sound team. And the I'm like, we're either going to go broke or we're going to make it big. <laughs> and luckily, we made it big <laughs> after the credit card company froze our funds. And you know how that would be like a nightmare, right? A whole nother world. It is a whole nother world. So I have some other questions I want to ask you, Debbie. But before we do, let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. A speaking career to share your message with the world. If that's you, then listen up. 25-year speaking industry veteran Brett Ridgway has released his latest special report, Three Key Things Entrepreneurs Must Master to Build a Profitable Speaking Business. To pick up your copy, go to brettridgeway.com forward slash freebie. And we are back with the Spotlight on Speaking Show with my guest this week, Debbie Allen. So, Debbie, one of my favorite questions to ask my guests always is, all right, bear your soul a little bit here and tell me maybe a mistake or two that you made along the way that maybe was a touch embarrassing at the time or whatever, but there was a lesson to be learned from that, and it's something that you would highly advise aspiring speakers not to make that same mistake. Um, chase the money. Uh, so I had a meeting planner that I already worked with in Singapore and flew there a couple of times and worked with her. I had great fee, you know, business class travel, great fee, fabulous um, relationship. And so she had an opportunity for a young uh, leadership group in Bahrain. Now I had already spoken United Arab Emirates before in Dubai. It's, you know, it's, it's different than Bahrain. Um, and so I wasn't prepared. I wasn't prepared to speak for young, young professionals, um, leaders that, um, it was a tough audience. Oh, it was tough. I said yes, because the fee was so high, hmm. knowing that it really wasn't my perfect thing. And the client trusted me enough because I'd spoke to her on in big retail groups in Singapore. So she thought, okay, she'd do it. She'd nail it. But it doesn't matter. You can be a great speaker with the absolute wrong audience and just be, I mean, I wasn't, I didn't bomb. Um, but I was fair, you know, I, I made, they actually ranked the speakers. I came in and one of the middle speakers. Um, and I, I think the only reason, cause I did, you know, some audience interaction and got them up on the stage and speaking and stuff like that. Um, but it was totally out of my, out of my, out of my league. It wasn't an audience I was comfortable with. Um, but I said, I said yes to the opportunity because of that. So I think the biggest lesson that I can teach you listening to this podcast is, you know, again, stay in your lane. Don't take the money when you don't really feel that it's really your audience because um, you know it's going to show in your in your body language and in your integrity somewhere you know it's just uh, you're not going to be your best so you talked earlier debbie about when you're going into a keynote situation you do a one-page questionnaire with the you know association or corporation or whatever it may be so what are some other keys that you might pass along for helping people determine if they're on that right stage well, first of all, if they've got the money to pay you, <laughs> and first of all, if you can really relate to that audience, like when I was going into retailers, 
I knew all the problems. You know, anybody can come up and ask me a question and I had a solution for it. I had been in the business long enough. I knew um, how to turn challenges into opportunities. Um, I, I spoke their language. And I think that's when you really know these are my peeps. And I mean, what a joy that is and a privilege of the platform you get to speak in front of your peers or your peeps, right? But when you step outside of that and you are trying to put a message and you don't know the culture and you don't know um, the problems and the solutions, mm -hmm. then you become kind of a talking head. You're just doing a speech. You're not, you don't have, you're not connecting your head and your heart together. Um, and, and so I just felt so comfortable with that group that I knew. Um, and I think that's just, that's when you'll know you've got the right thing. They've got the money to pay you. You get them, you, you've come from an industry and it makes sense. Like there's another person I was, went to the national speakers association, which I, and I was waiting in line to sign up. And I said, um, well, what, what's your expertise? What's your background? He says, well, I was a dentist for many years and I sold my practice and now I want to be a motivational speaker. I said, well, what do you want to speak on? And he, oh, anything to listen to me. I'm any audience. I just want to motivate people. I'm like, okay, good luck with that, right? Um, why don't you go speak to dentists? Do you ever think of that? No, I hate the dental industry. That's why I got out of it. <laughs> <laughs> I said, but you're wearing a different hat now. You're telling them what to do. You're not running the business, you know, and you probably have a lot of knowledge because I never even thought about that. I'm like, wow. So there's like an insight right there. Go yeah. where you know. So for an aspiring speaker, Debbie, what would you suggest to them as the best ways to build rapport with their audience? I think that the best way would be first start out with a message that gets them as soon as you walk out there, like really focus on that first one or two sentences you're going to say that makes an impact and then tell them what you're going to tell them and then get into your, what I call my Shiro's journey story. And my Shiro's journey story is a, is a story that takes me from being successful, but then crash and burn, a turnaround or a challenge, something you've overcome that an audience can relate to. You've got to position yourself for the audience to hear from you. They have to believe that you're authentic, that you're speaking directly to them and the topic and everything you're doing has to relate, all work together, position effectively. And um, the, so the story of your signature story, people like to call it, I like to say the hero's or shero's journey story is a great way for people to get to know you mm -hmm. and to go, I learned this the hard way. And this is why I wanted to help you kind of a thing, you know, that breakthrough, that turnaround. And then they start relating to you and you start feeling like I've had a conversation. And I think the biggest compliment you could get as a speaker isn't just a standing ovation, blah, 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 you know, is when somebody comes up to you and says, I felt as if you were speaking directly to me that's it. I made an impact, right? So you've mentioned the National Speakers Association a couple of times, and it sort of is an organization I think aspiring speakers need to be aware of. But from your perspective, what are the benefits to a new speaker in getting involved in NSA and becoming a certified speaking professional? Well, first, I would say join the National Speakers chapter near you. And if you're in Canada, that would be CAPS, Canadian Association of Professional Speakers. Um, and then they're all over the country. They're all over the world. Um, and I spoke at many of them. I spoke at all the chapters in NSA across the country. I spoke at national. I spoke at almost everyone in CAPS and other countries. Um, so it's a great place to go if you're saying, I'm going to you know, hang my flag out there and say, I, this is something I'm going to do. I'm going to be a professional speaker. Then you need to belong to an association of professional speakers. So you join. And when you join, there's going to be 
um, another parting of the ways a little bit. We're going, okay, I can't just be a member and join and be part of everything. I have to prove myself first, which I love that part about national speakers is you have to go out and get, you know, 20 paid speaking engagements or, you know, you have to have something underneath your belt before you can actually be a member. And that, that helps the credibility of the organization. Um, and there's ways of getting around getting that faster than some people that sit there for years. So you come in as, um, uh, oh God, what do they call them? Like affiliates or something. There's a different name, but um, so your goal is then to become a member. So become a member of your net of your local, whatever your local one was, and then you join national. And again, you cannot become a member. You can attend the conventions and things that national speakers put on, but you cannot become a member until you've reached that credibility level. Um, but if you are listening to this now, you're obviously aspiring to be a paid professional speaker. If you are, you need to belong where the other ones are. Now, do I learn everything after all these years? I still go to convention. I still do. Um, I think what happens in that organization that is really beautiful is that you've got these new people coming in that are all just hungry, wanting to learn. And I've been that person. I've I've known that. And I've had my mentors that helped me within that organization. And then after you spent time in the business, um, you become that mentor. Um, so now that I go because my clients are there and, and I, I don't, you know, I don't, pitch and sell to them. I just go because that's where you need to go if you have prospects in an area. But I think that's, you know, what happens the cycle of the speaking business. You learn uh, from those people and then you become a mentor and then you give back. All right, Debbie, I'd like to give you a couple minutes, if you would, to share a little bit more with people about what you're up to these days specifically and how they can get involved in your in your world if they so choose. Okay, great. Thank you. Um, I do a lot of my business, but I'm probably 80% uh, online now. Most of my events are smaller events, very like VIP type of things. I do VIP personal one-on-one -on -one days where people come stay in my guest house who work on their business. Um, most of my clients are speakers, coaches, consultants. And, um, you know, the other thing that, um, that I do is teach expert positioning in my book behind me, expert positioning. That's my newest 10th book. Um, and I'm going to give a gift to everybody. Uh, I'll take you to the website. It's expertpositioningsuccess.com, expertpositioningsuccess.com. And there's a 30 minute video that walks you through how you can position yourself as an expert, because I believe that every speaker is an expert who speaks professionally. So that's, you know, position yourself gives you the foundation on that right target market. And then you start mm -hmm. taking off much faster. And um, then when you find that you've got, again, got that snowball effect. So there's a video on there. There's a great handout with a step-by-step -step action plan and even a one-page business plan of how you can use your knowledge as a speaker to make money in many, many different ways. Um, so a great resource um, there for you, expertpositioningsuccess.com. And if you want to know more about what I do, um, and coming to my online events or whatever it is you want to learn, mentoring, whatever it is, uh, DebbieAllen.com. I've had that same website since 1997, DebbieAllen.com. <laughs> There's a famous person by that name, <laughs> but I got the domain. You beat her to it. So, all right. <laughs> all right. Well, the, folks, this is one of those listen to it again episodes because Debbie shared so much wisdom here that can truly help you along your speaking journey. So go back and hit some of those key points again so that you can further your knowledge. But I want to give a sincere thanks to Debbie for joining me today. As always, I wish everybody the greatest of success in all that you do. And certainly, if you haven't been to the Spotlight on Speaking website yet, hop on over to SpotlightOnSpeaking.com and register with your favorite service to be notified of upcoming episodes. And as always, may 2023 be your greatest year yet. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.
This has been the Spotlight on Speaking Show with Brett Ridgway. Be sure to join us every week as we interview speaking industry pros and have them share their best tips for building a profitable speaking business. Until next week, thank you for tuning in and remember to visit our website at spotlightonspeaking.com so you can enjoy even more great episodes like this one. While you're here, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Spotlight on Speaking show. Until then, our sincere best wishes to you for the greatest of success as you work to build your own profitable speaking business.